This is Sound and Vision on KEXP. I'm Emily Fox. Minnesota's Tall Paul recently released an album that chronicles the story of Native American athlete Jim Thorpe. Thorpe was an Olympic gold medalist in track and field, a pro football and college football Hall of Famer, a minor league baseball player, and so much more. Jim Thorpe isn't in the public conscious P. All I'd ever see was black and white on colored screens. All I hear about is cheese, but they're all long deceased. Man, I wish I could have seen you play ball on TV. I wish that you received the same notoriety the mass media has given all these other athletes. I just needed someone great who looked like me. Jim Thorpe, you could be my Muhammad Ali. Afflicted with addiction, alcoholic like Pete. No submitting, both spitting up in college like G's. Tall Paul joins me now to talk about his album called The Story of Jim Thorpe. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me today. I'm excited to be here. And thanks for telling the story of Jim Thorpe. I learned so much through listening to this record. And then I also realized that like, not only was Jim Thorpe just an athlete, he was also a ballroom dancer and also had a film career later in life. What do you find most interesting about Jim Thorpe's story? For me as a youth, it was his athletic story, obviously, just because I was a young native athlete and I was looking for somebody relatable to me on the TV and I couldn't find them as a native athlete, as a native kid. So that's what drew me in was hearing about him being Olympic gold medalist and an NFL Hall of Famer, Major League Baseball player and so on. He won gold in the Olympic decathlon, a 10 event competition. Can you grasp on? Play football with no face mask on a three time champ with the Bulldogs of Canton. It's a be clear he put his teams on his back as a place kick a punter and a running back. Put the ball in his hands and he'd run it back. An All-American college football champ. He was decent playing Major League Baseball. If you don't know about him, you should probably but as I learned more about him, it became interesting to learn more of his personal life, you know, some of his personal hardships, how uh, he never really earned as much as he should have for the caliber of star he was in sports. He was being taken advantage of every everywhere he went. He was just being taken advantage of. And uh, yeah, so I mean, it was it was interesting learning about the more personal aspects, his struggles with like alcoholism and substance use. And that was something I related to, not at the time, but later in life, I had those same struggles. And I'm, I mean, I'm now 13 years sober, but he was an inspiration in that way. And then seeing how he stuck up for other athletes of color in his time you know there were athletes of color from different ethnicities he would defend when they were being mistreated he would stand up for native actors being able to portray themselves in movies and you know fight against them just using european people for native roles and things like that Henry McDonald was among the first black players. Jim defended him against a white trash racist. So it's not surprising that he spoke out against white people painting skin red so they could act native. Jim advocated accurate portrayal. Spent his last year speaking up for native rights. They casted Burton Lancaster for his life's portrayal while he lived in a trailer at the end of his life. I mean, I just hear about everything that he did in his life. And then you come to find out, even I think in one of your songs, the song Legend, you end with saying like, at the end of his life, he lived in a trailer, like to have so many accomplishments. And then to see what happened at the end of his life. I mean, when you think about Jim Thorpe's story, like it's full arc. What are your thoughts on just kind of where he was when his life ended? Yeah, it's very, uh, I guess, disappointing, not disappointed in him, but disappointing in the way he was treated and the way he was often taken advantage of because he was a native person who did not know how to operate in this new world of 
capitalism and you know doing things for money and things of that nature so yeah it was it was uh frustrating you know it, it angered me a little bit that you know this guy he he was you know i think of him as having the stature similar to like a lebron james today back in his time that's how big he was but yet he was not compensated correctly and he should not have had to live out his life in his final days in a trailer in california you know in uh I just wish that things would have went better for him. Jim Thorpe was born in the late 1800s and was a competitive athlete in the early 1900s. And you mentioned this a little bit in the album, but can you talk about what was happening in America at that time, like around colonization and indigenous issues? Like you've mentioned a few songs, like natives weren't even considered citizens at the time. A sign of the time was the fact we weren't even really legal citizens. Original man without a home of his own. What is this silliness? So can you just, again, just give us a backdrop of what was happening in America around the time of of Jim Thorpe's rise? Yeah, so he was born in the late 1800s. This is around the time boarding schools first became a thing. The, The origin story of boarding schools was taking place about 10 years prior to his birth down in Florida, they had taken a lot of native prisoners down there and started testing out these theories of kill the Indian, save the man, you know, cut their hair, take their culture, make them walk, talk, dress and act like civilized white people, essentially. And they tested this method out on native prisoners who were uh, engaged in war with the U.S. government. And they seen that there was some success with it in their eyes and being able to treat these natives as troops and get them to behave even better than some American troops were behaving, you know, that they became very well versed in the civilized way of Europeans, essentially, after all this training and this forced training, essentially, they became able to behave like troops, you know, uh, formations, getting up at certain hours, going through their daily schedules as a military soldier would and so on and so forth. Jim Pratt had to read up because malnutrition and malaria were killing our people. Not to mention hunger strikes, homesickness in the century. Man, this was so evil and he had bigger aspirations. Like forcing him to take hold of European navigations. Cut the hair off the nations. Made him quit speaking desert and learn a white man's language. Suited in Buddha, teaching a mommy maneuvers, making them look like some American troopers. Jamble tactics of a man who usurps and uses them for his home improvements. Looted or rooted and booted from their home. Put on display as if a prat on gnome. He buffed and shot them as if they were diamonds, and that's how boarding schools became formed. So then they tested this model on native kids from reservations and different tribal communities, and they would bring them to these schools. And this was going on when Jim Thorpe was born. This process was playing out and he actually ended up getting put into these boarding schools and seeing some of that stuff play out in his own life. His uh, twin brother passed away uh, when they were young, about nine years old. His twin brother passed away in a boarding school, got sick. The conditions in these boarding schools were really bad. Back at second Fox Agency boarding school, Jim was faced with the prospect of having to mourn the news of his twin brother Charlie contracting a dangerous illness. A ten-year-old made to feel this, my shackle defaced the realness. Typhoid contaminated, food or water was the problem. Charlie got it, then pneumonia also right upon him. Papa this to go, had to watch his brother fade. Little did he know his brother's change would make him great. Outside of this boarding school situation, you know, they said that this was around the time colonization had officially been completed you know that the the last u.s wars were being fought right around the time jim thorpe was born 
And uh, yeah, that, that that's kind of like the backdrop of, you know, his birth time and, you know, his childhood. He grew up essentially in, in the Wild West, so to speak. But yeah. When Sid and Bo was killed by native cops who disagreed. Hundreds of kids and women murdered by the cavalry. Them cowboy travelers massacred them at wounded knee. Spotted elves, band of many conjures camped out by the creek. When the spotless troops went inside the camp to shoot them in their sleep. The same year scholars said colonization was complete. When football took a hold of America's imagination. In correlation with the modern men's mechanization. Welcome to the backdrop of the baby native one the greatest. It was crazy to to realize, like, I knew a little bit about Jim Thorpe, but I didn't realize he attended the Carlisle boarding school, which that was the, the boarding school that the man who started it literally said, you know, the goal of this is to, quote, kill the Indian and save the man. And so realizing that Jim Thorpe attended Carlisle, I was like, in my mind, one of the most prominent boarding schools, especially at that time. And... As we've heard in the news and know, like boarding schools across the country, there was also a lot of abuse happening there. And you have this line in your song, someone who looked like me that stopped me in my tracks when I heard it. And it was the foster home is the modern day boarding school. Kill the Indian and save the man. You know the rule. The foster home is the modern day boarding school. Kill the Indian and save the man. You know the rule. Break down that line for me. Yeah, so I've been through foster care as a youth, and I know a lot of Native youth get put in foster care, and sometimes unjustly, oftentimes unjustly. It's a deep conversation to have, but kids even go disappearing in the foster care system, and I think that, you know, we can get into deeper conversations with this one, but, you know, I I think that, you know, the foster care system does some good things, but also I think that it is abused. And, you know, there are kids that go missing. There are kids that get adopted out and never get to see their families again. So when I say the foster care system is the modern day boarding school, what I mean is nowadays the foster care system is much like boarding schools were back then. Native kids go into the foster homes nowadays, oftentimes unfairly they get taken from their families due to racism and racist practices um, not giving families the right resources to be able to do the right things for their kids you know they, they put our native families and a lot of natives are you know in food deserts they're in uh, economic deserts which is the reservation you know reservations are so secluded and so far from so many resources and things that they lack access to a lot of the things that people who live in the city take for granted. I think that the foster care system is abused and that it is used for some negative things to separate and break up native families. And and that's where that comparison comes in mind. And, uh, you know, the foster care system, you know, operates in that way. And very much, you know, when you take a native kid and place them with a non-native family, they're not able to learn their own way. So in that way, it's kind of like they're still killing the Indian, but trying to save the man and make them more civilized. Yeah, because I know I've heard lots of conversation around not just foster care, but also adoption agencies where they'll take kids away from Native families and place them in, say, white families, you know, the same way that boarding schools, you know, you take Native kids away from their families, far away from their families, and put them into kind of these these institutions. But it sounds like also there's been more talk in recent years to make sure that Indigenous children aren't just placed in families that aren't 
native. Do you feel like things are getting better in that realm at all? Yeah, so there's the Indian Child Welfare Act, which has been around for a little while. I believe it was around when I was a kid, but even with the Indian Child Welfare Act, there are different hurdles to get through. Sometimes there aren't enough Native families who are fostering kids and uh, things of that nature. So even with the Indian Child Welfare Act, the situation isn't always perfect, but it definitely helps a lot. You know, it helps tremendously. And I'm aware that right now, the Indian Child Welfare Act is being challenged, I believe, in the Supreme Court. And that's a, that, that, that's a problem, or that's an issue that goes beyond just foster homes, but it deals with our, our tribal sovereignty as a whole, because if they are to uh, reverse the Indian Child Welfare Act law and allow for Native kids to, you know, just be placed with anybody at will, that would be very damaging to our tribal sovereignty and not only to our Native families. And I believe that um, decision is going to be made here within a couple months or so. So that's something that people should definitely look out for and sign any petitions you can sign, uh, try to support that cause in any way, because all the Indian Child Welfare Act does is make sure that Native kids are placed with Native families as often as possible so that Native kids can grow up and be connected to their people and their culture, even if they're not necessarily living with their own blood relatives. I don't understand why it's even being challenged other than, you know, people having maybe prejudiced motives or something like that, you know, but it is being challenged and there are people trying to get it reversed. And, and that would be super negatively impactful to our tribal sovereignty because if they see that they can change something like that, that's so major to our own self-governance and, you know, our own self-determination, then they'll take further steps and start attacking our tribal sovereignty in other ways. And it, it just sets a dangerous precedent for our people. You had mentioned that you were in the foster care system. And for you, like, were you often placed with non-Native families? And I'm also just curious, you know, it sounds like you are connected to your heritage. I mean, you, you, this whole album is an example of that. Um, I also understand you're doing work to um, work on Indigenous language revitalization, which is huge. And so uh, one, my question is, is, you know, when you were going through foster care, were you often placed in non-Native families? And also, like, what did it take for you to make sure that you stayed connected with your culture? Yeah, so actually the very first foster home I went into was a non-Native family. And I would say probably the majority of foster homes I went to were non-Native. Uh, the times where they were Native was mostly in a group home setting where it was like a dedicated group home for native kids and it wasn't necessarily just one foster family it was a organization called Andai Young who takes in several native kids and houses them all within the same building but other than that you know usually if I was with a native family it was my own family so when I was placed in foster homes outside of my family it was usually uh, non-natives uh, more often than not they were white folks and uh you know, the treatment wasn't always the best, you know, so yeah, it's uh, definitely something I experienced. And this is even with the in Indian Child Welfare Act in place. So if if the Indian Child Welfare Act wasn't around, I may have never been placed even in Andai Young or any, you know, native home. And, and that was actually my favorite foster care situation I had ever been in because I felt like I could relate to the people there. I felt like they genuinely cared for me 
they, you know, taught us drum and dance. They would smudge with us and, you know, involve our culture and, and really take care of us, take us on field trips and things like that. They showed that they cared about us. So that's another reason it was so important. And uh, yeah, so I mean, in that situation, you know, when I was placed with native families um, or native foster homes, it did ensure that I was able to stay more connected to my culture and my people. And, and I was very grateful for that. But anytime I was with a non-native family, you know, there either wasn't any kind of spirituality going on or it was church-based. I would be forced to go to church and, you know, study the Bible and things like that, which is not something I connected with as a kid. Yeah. I'm speaking with Tall Paul about his album called The Story of Jim Thorpe. So going back to Jim Thorpe's story, you know, as we're talking about boarding schools and kind of also, you know, relating that to, to, to modern day foster care. So when when Jim Thorpe was in boarding schools, he ran away. Uh, I understand multiple times, but his dad actually wanted him to be in boarding schools. Why do you think his dad wanted him in there? So from my understanding and the research I've done, the main reason was that he wanted his kids to learn these new ways of this new colonist society that we live in. He wanted, as much like today, you know, native kids will maybe leave the res and go get a college education and then go back to the res in order to work with their tribes and help their people. That was the idea of Jim Thorpe's dad, Hiram Thorpe. He wanted to send Jim Thorpe to these boarding schools so that he could learn the ways of this new world we live in now and then be able to come back and help his family and his people. That was his main motivation. And just so you you know, we could be competent in this uh, new society. That was his idea for sending Jim Thorpe to boarding school. And I imagine, you know, there might have been uh, familiar things at play. You know, it could have been maybe his family didn't have enough resources to take care of all their kids. And, you know, it was something that helped out in that way too potentially um that's just my own thoughts that on on something that could be possible but yeah the primary motivation was to get jim a good education in this new world so that he could be competent in this new world didn't he also have like 10 siblings or something like that yeah yeah he had a lot of siblings yeah roughly around there yeah yeah so in your song, Someone Great Who Looked Like Me, you also talked about role models and needing Jim Thorpe's influence. When I finally got sober, I became an MC. Messing up on stage because I care what people think. I needed your influence. I don't care what people think. See, for me to feel great, man, I needed that drink. Graduated school and flushed the lick down the sink. Now I got to be you for kids who want to be me. What has learning about Jim Thorpe's story meant to you personally? Learning his story empowered me as a young native youth because as youth, we're impressionable, even to the subconscious things that are at play. So as a kid, I was watching TV. Nowhere did I ever see natives unless it was like a wild west, old western movie and the natives were getting killed by the cowboys and stuff like that. So subconsciously as a native youth, that kind of puts a defeated mentality into you. And that's the issue that I had was only seeing us in a negative light, only seeing us in a disempowered light. So uh, when I found out about Jim Thorpe and, you know, him being called the greatest athlete in the world by the King of Sweden at the 1912 Olympics when he won the Olympic gold medal in the decathlon and pentathlon, 
And when I found out he was an NFL Hall of Famer, a major league baseball player, and, you know, he was the kind of person who didn't take no BS from anybody and and really stood up for himself and believed in, in himself and, you know, was rebellious to this new world we were in and um, stood his ground, that empowered me as a young Native youth to understand that, okay, all of this stuff that um, is being presented on the TV about us is not the truth. It is what they want us to believe about ourselves so that we think lower of ourselves and don't have as much confidence, you know. So that very much empowered me as a Native youth. It made me want to strive harder. It made me believe in myself as an athlete and a student and just as a person in general. Um, so it had a lot of personal meaning to me because he was uh, one of my very first role models. And, you know, it's crazy to think because he had been gone for you know, close to half a century by the time I learned about him. But yeah, it was very empowering for me as on a personal level. I've been speaking with Tall Paul about his album, The Story of Jim Thorpe. Thank you so much for sharing yours and Jim's story with us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was a blessing. Kick back in my time machine, reminiscing everything was so promising. Siblings let me win, so I would feel like I was king. Caught the pistol, ran it in, then I was high as he. Who's kneeled down when I've cried and brought the sky to me? Like God, the grid, I am about my highest being. Fell in love with the sport when I was high as knees. Then I learned to gym thorpe and I knew I could beast. Blow up and get the paper like them shocker peas. Go up to snake the ball on you like my and flee. Show up, I'll be shown up because I've got to peace. That was the gym thorpe effect of my philosophy. But somewhere down the line, I must have lost a beat. Started going for my feast like I forgot my teeth. Jim Thorpe isn't in the public conscious P. All I'd ever see was black and white on colored screens. All I hear about is cheese, but they're all long deceased. Man, I wish I could have seen you play ball on TV. I wish that you received the same notoriety the mass media has given all these other athletes. I just needed someone great who looked like me. Jim Thorpe, you could be my Muhammad Ali. Afflicted with addiction, alcoholic like Pete. No submitting, both spitting up in college like G's. My focus not there, we probably both got B's. You're the star RB, I skip the smoke trees. When I finally got sober, I became an MC, messing up on stage cause I care what people think, I needed your influence, I don't care what people think, see for me to feel great man I needed that drink, graduated school and flushed the lick down the sink, now I gotta be you for kids who wanna be me, I was young, Jim went in one and out one, cause even though he's go, he was I was outdone, how I'm supposed to stay inspired by the top gun, when they never say the word about him, not one, all I heard was Tyson, Jackson and Jordan, it made me feel like other races were more than, on top of that I had identity crisis, I thought not even sports could save me from how serious my life is. Young native growing up without his culture No role models to show me it was out here Didn't have a daddy, mama's gone for weeks You would think it's romance the way you swept us off our feet The foster home is the modern day boarding school Kill the Indian and say the man, you know the rule Matter of fact, old Jim Thorpe knew it too It took the life from us and made it all dark and blue We were all athletically gifted But when we played them white kids, somehow we just missed it In them big street football games I see now it's more mental than anything Became resentful of my one true queen Started clouding everything with blunts and things Giving women fists instead of diamond rings When they deserve my heart and all the finer things Dang old Jim, we got a lot in common I'm glad I finally 
came around, I put the time in. Cause you're the type of hero I know I could vibe with. A legendary native athlete is what I miss. At least I can share your legacy with my kid. The mother athletes are dope, but they ain't go. Nope. Sitting bow was great, but ain't your war ain't sport. It's time I shared about your name, but they ain't spoke. All I hear about is cheese, but they're all underseased. Man, I wish I could have seen you play ball on TV. I wish that you received the same notoriety the mass media has given all these other athletes. I just needed someone great who looked like me. Jim Thorpe, you could be my Muhammad Ali. Afflicted with addiction, alcoholic like P. No submitting, both spitting up in college like G's. My focus not there, we probably both got B's. You're the star RB, I skip the smoke trees. When I finally got sober, I became an MC. Messing up on stage, cause I care what people think. I needed your influence, I don't care what people think. See, for me to feel great, man, I needed that drink. Graduated school and flushed the lick down the sink. Now I gotta be you for kids who wanna be me. First of all, let's define what's the greatest. It ain't about marketing and being famous. So we can't exclude the nameless and faceless just because they didn't have the frames then the trace it. With that said, let's get down to some basics. I don't think a one sport athlete can claim it unless all the measurables reach out to the spaces. Haven't seen that, it's just facts that I'm stating. There's a lot of great names erased on that basis. In baseball, Jordan never made it to the majors. Boxing was the only sport Ali made the papers. But he used this platform to fade all the races. So next to Jim Thorpe, he's my vote for the A-list. Bo was the first two-sport all-star, but Jim Thorpe epitomized durability. A star to many sports with great versatility. He won gold in the Olympic decathlon. A 10-event competition, can you grasp on? Play football with no face mask on. A three-time champ with the Bulldogs of Canton. And to be clear, he put his teams on his back. As a place kick a punter and a running back. Put the ball in his hands and he'd run it back. An All-American college football champ. He was decent playing Major League Baseball. If you don't know about him, you should probably face palm. Got inducted into three major Hall of Fames. Track and field, the NFL, and the NCAA. Somehow these sports fans still got none to say. I guess they didn't have Sports Center in his day. Leather shoes, no drugs, no hope. To accomplish all that, bro, he's gotta be go. All I hear about is cheese, but they're all deceased. Man, I wish I could have seen you play ball on TV. I wish that you received the same notoriety the mass media has given all these other athletes. I just needed someone great who looked like me. Jim Thorpe, you could be my Muhammad Ali. Afflicted with addiction, alcoholic like P. No submitting, both spitting up in college like G's. My focus not there, we probably both got B's. You're the star RB, I skip the smoke trees. When I finally got sober, I became an MC. Messing up on stage, cause I care what people think. I needed your influence, I don't care what people think. See, for me to feel great, man, I needed that drink. Graduated school and flushed the lick down the sink. Now I gotta be you for kids who wanna be me. That was Sound and Vision. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, and consider giving a one-time $20 donation to help support this show at kexp.org slash sound. Thanks for listening.